Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. So that whole concept of invincibility is such a great concept that we're going to kind of talk about today. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of superheroes that have that power. Superman, you know, you can't keep him down. They killed him once and came back. And uh, and then uh, Wolverine, you slice him and dice him up, and he keeps healing and living forever. And, you know, those guys. But but it's a very, the, the idea of invincibility or, or really kind of resurrection power, as we call it in the Christian faith, is, is, a, is a, a concept that should uh, hold some great interest to you because uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that we, as, uh, as followers of Jesus Christ, are promised uh, eternal life. Uh, that's not a small thing. Last time I checked, eternal life is a pretty big deal. And, uh, and so the fact that, that we are promised that now, we're going to read a verse today, uh, a, a few verses that talk about eternal life, and one of them being probably the most famous verse about eternal life ever, being John 3.16, that's where we're going to pick up our reading this morning. Uh, so if you want to flip over there your Bible to John 3.16, uh, we're going to start there, we're going to continue on a little bit further in that chapter, but the first, let, me, let me just read that, that first verse there, John 3.16, it says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life, eternal life. And now there's a reason, most, even if you're not a Christian, uh, you're probably somewhat familiar with that verse, or at least the reference to that verse. There's the, you know, the, the rainbow wig guy that shows up in all the, the big games and stuff, you know, you know with the John 3.16 sign. And, uh, and so we, we've at least seen it on bumper stickers and all kinds of places, John 3.16. There's a reason that, you know, those kind of bumper sticker verses that I like to call them, um, there's a reason they be, became so um, popular. And what, what our, our mind tends to do is those, those verses or those sayings that tend to become the most popular, maybe overstated and overquoted, our mind tends to start kind of taking them for granted and almost uh, kind of going on autopilot when we hear those verses. But there's a reason they became the way they became. And it's because there's some of those powerful verses in the Bible. When you look at that verse, John 3.16, um, the reason it's such a big deal is because that verse, probably maybe more than any verse in the Bible, sums up the entire message of the Bible. The entire message of the Bible. That God loved you so much that he was willing to bridge the gap between your sin and his holiness by sending his son to die a death that should have been yours. And all we have to do is simply believe in him and we're his forever. We're his forever. That's a powerful message. That, that's the gospel message. Powerful, powerful message. Now, what I want to do is, is kind of piggyback on that verse and actually read the rest of this passage here. Uh, because it's there's some other powerful teaching just beside this verse in this passage. But let me set up. This is Jesus didn't just kind of start spouting these, these words off uh, for no good reason one day. Uh, there's a story behind these verses. If you go back to the beginning of John chapter 3, you'll find that there was a guy by the name of 
Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, which is one of the religious leaders of that day. Now, Jesus, in his ministry at this point, he's walking the earth. He is doing his uh, teaching and preaching. He's going out. He's doing miracles, signs and wonders, and all that kind of stuff. He's starting to gather followers around. He's becoming quite popular. He's becoming so popular that the religious leaders of that day were starting to get really nervous, really fearful, really threatened by his message. Uh, because he was uh, preaching actually against their, against their style of religion. And so his message was one of grace and forgiveness and love, while their message was one of, if you're just a better person, God will love you. If you just do good, God will love you. If you do, if you check, tick off all the boxes and do all the right things, then God will love you. And Jesus says, no, God just loves you. He just loves you, Period. And all you need is to put your faith in me, his only son. And God takes care of the rest. God takes care of the rest. Now, again, the religious leaders are very threatened. So, but this guy Nicodemus, this Pharisee Nicodemus, had been following Jesus around, had been kind of listening to him talk and seeing what he'd been doing. And something began to speak to Nicodemus' heart. Nicodemus began to wonder, maybe this guy really is who he says he is. Maybe he really is the Son of God. Maybe he really is this Messiah that we've been waiting for. If that's true, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. Even though all of my peers, all of the other religious leaders with me, even though they're talking about how can we get rid of this guy, if this guy's the real deal, I don't want to miss it. So Nicodemus sends word to Jesus and says, I need to meet with you. And they meet under cover of darkness one night in the middle of the night. And Nicodemus begins to ask, ask questions. Are you really who you say you are? are you really? And Jesus begins to unfold for him this whole message of being born again and, and um, you know, what his whole mission was as a Messiah. And Nicodemus comes to him under cover of night asking these questions. Okay? So Jesus says to him, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that, that whoever believes in him should not perish and have eternal life. And then he says... For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Now that's important. He brings up that word condemned three times as, he, as he's teaching Nicodemus in this passage. And, 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 and the reason is, is that you need to know that every single one of us in this room, every person who has ever lived, stands Condemned. Condemned. Now, that word, if, if you're a kid in the room, maybe you're not familiar with what that means, but that word condemned, it, it's, a, it's a legal term. And it goes back to if you're put on trial, if you've been found guilty of a crime, if you've been put on trial, found guilty of that crime, then there's a punishment that is given to you, and you are condemned to fill out, uh, to fulfill that punishment. Maybe it's death, and maybe it's, you know, life in prison, or a few years in prison, or Whatever it is, but you have been condemned, the Bible teaches, because you have sinned against God, even if it was only once. You know good and well it wasn't just once, right? Even if it was only once, you've been condemned to death because God is so holy that he cannot, um, he cannot be in the presence of sin. cannot be in the presence of sin. His holiness is so far above and beyond our idea of holiness. So we stand condemned to die. And Jesus died, came and died for us so that 
he would take that punishment. He would take that condemnation upon himself so that we wouldn't have to. Like I said earlier, he bridged the gap between our sin and God's holiness. And it's not that suddenly he made us perfect and made us all innocent. More than anything, it's that he just stood in the gap and said, they do not have a perfect record. They're horrible at this thing uh, called life. They screw up all the time. However, I was actually able to do it perfect. I am perfect. I do have a perfect record. Father, would you allow them to have my record and I'll take theirs? And so on the cross, the Bible teaches us that. That's exactly what Jesus did. He took on himself the sins of the world so that we could stand blameless before God. Now, that's not a small thing. That's not, that's not a small thing at all. That's, that's the best news you're going to hear all day long. Because that is so free. We're going to actually get into this in a few weeks, uh, even in even greater detail. But there is so much freedom in that message. So much freedom that should rid you of shame and guilt and all the other stuff that tends to hold us down as people. We are not condemned. We're not condemned. And the thing I want you to get from those three verses is this, is that Jesus gives life. Jesus gives life. That there is life, life eternal, life abundant to be had for all of us, and it comes from Jesus Christ, because it only can come from Jesus Christ. And, and, we, and it's fun to kind of sit and talk. We, we sang that song, that last song we sang about um, uh, you hold me now, and really kind of looking forward to that day when, when, when God writes all the wrongs, when, when, when there's a whole reboot of his creation, and we are uh, made new people, new creations, and we are uh, taken into his presence, and, and all sorrows will be wiped away, all tears will be wiped away, no more pain, no more death, no more sickness, none of that, it's all gone, it's a total, if we're going back to the creation the way God intended it before he entered uh, before sin entered the world. Now, it's fun to think about what that's going to look like, but I actually think that we can experience life and life abundantly right here and right now. Now, this is a jacked up world, and, and it doesn't always go the way we wish it would go. But what I've learned and what many of you have learned over the years is that when you have Christ in your life, even in the worst circumstances that you might face, there is somehow a peace that will carry you through that. There's somehow a hope and even sometimes a joy that will carry you through even the worst times that you go through. The Bible calls it a peace that passes all understanding. A peace that passes all understanding. The world doesn't get it. Sometimes we don't get it. But it's there. That when he gives us life in the midst of death. It's amazing. <coughs> so, let me, let me keep reading here. Start with John three nineteen now. Just, just the very next verse. This is good stuff. It says this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now, there's been a lot of talk over the years about what this, you know, this whole kind of light and dark. And I kind of think it's a little bit misunderstood. Because the same writer that wrote this gospel, John, also wrote uh, a letter later on. Actually, three of them. We call him 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But in 1st John, he spends a lot of time talking about 
light and darkness. He says, if you say you walk in the light, but you're living in the darkness, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. And he uses that those images of light and darkness a lot. Here he makes reference to Jesus using that image of light and darkness. But I think that Jesus actually, I, I think those, those, those meanings are in there too, but I think Jesus had a very personal message for Nicodemus in this beyond just, you know, step out of the darkness and into the light. I think the personal message to Jesus in his conversation with Nicodemus was, was this. He's talking about, um, he says, um, uh, people love the darkness rather than the light because their works are evil. And he's talking about darkness and light. And when is Nicodemus speaking with him? In the dark, in the middle of the night. And I think Jesus is telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you have heard the truth. The truth has resonated in your heart. You have experienced it. You know it is true. You, God has spoken into your soul and told you this is true. You need to come out of this darkness and take this message into the light. Take this message into the light. The second thing I want you to get out of, out of this passage today is this. Is that faith doesn't hide. Faith doesn't hide. Not only does life come from Jesus, but when you experience that life, then faith does not hide. And this is what I know because I know people and because I know myself. That a lot of us have experienced at least parts of our faith journey where we have felt we needed to keep the truth in the dark. Where we had to keep certain aspects of ourselves, certain aspects of our faith kind of hidden away in the dark. And Jesus' call to you today is come out of the darkness and bring it into the light. Faith doesn't hide. I would just say, if you if you have a, a walk with Christ right now, if, you, if you're in a relationship with Christ, so to speak, that you feel you have to keep secret from everybody around you, that you're there's and it's and it's out of shame, it's out of embarrassment, maybe it's out of a little bit of guilt because you know you're not living up to what you know whatever. Can I just challenge you to bring your faith out of the darkness and into the light, because. Jesus, when he stood in the gap for us, did it in broad daylight. He didn't hide. He wasn't ashamed of us. In fact, we talked about last week how he looked at us and that became the joy that carried him through that experience. He loved us so much that he was like, yeah, I, I want to do this. I want to do this. We are so fortunate um, to live in a country where we have this freedom of religion, where we don't have to um, uh, meet in secret or hide anything. And, and I'm going to tell you, if, if, if you have that freedom and you don't take advantage of that freedom, shame on you. Shame on you. Because there are so many people around the world that wish they had that freedom. That live in fear of their lives if they were to exercise that freedom. And I want to say, free American Christians, bring it out of the darkness and into the light. And I, when I say bring it out of the darkness and the light, it doesn't mean you have to go stand on a corner and yell at everybody like a big jerk. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, be the kind of Christian that you will just live your faith. You, you, you don't have to shout it from the rooftops like a maniac necessarily. But what you do have to do is that when you're called upon, you will be called upon to give an account. 
that occasionally somebody's going to ask you about your faith. Occasionally somebody's going to ask for what is the hope that lives in you. That you don't back away from it. Instead, you, you share. You just share when asked. That, that, I, you know, I wasn't always a, a pastor. I used to work uh, different jobs where, uh, you know, that weren't church related. And I, my whole philosophy about sharing my faith at work was um, I love talking to different people about what they believe. I didn't feel the need to necessarily force my opinions on people, but I love talking to people about what they believe, how they thought, you know, what was their faith, what was, uh, how they thought the universe ran, that sort of thing, you know. And, and, and by doing that and by listening to other people and their stories and their ideas and their philosophies, inevitably somebody's going to say, what about you? What do you think? And then it's like, okay, come out with guns blazing. Here we go. Here we go. It's on now. I wasn't going to put it on you, but since you asked, here it is. Here it is. And, and, and it's that kind of thing. Again, you don't have to be... Uh, some kind of crazy, you know, jerk forcing your opinions on everybody or anything like that or going around making everybody feel guilty or, you know, picketing, you know, whatever. That's not what God's called you to be. God's just called you to be faithful in the moments that he's given you. Be faithful in the moments that he gives you. When he calls you to provide an account, provide that account. Bring your faith out of the darkness and into the light. That beauty of that faith that Jesus would that Jesus would give us. Do you know that the, that the faith itself it, it, faith in and of itself is, is a gift from God? Like your, your ability to even exercise faith comes from God. And he's given you all these gifts. He's given you the gift of eternal life and the gift of salvation and the gift of faith. Exercise those things. Bring it out of the darkness and into the light. Okay, it doesn't hide. It just doesn't hide. So everybody kind of bow your heads right now. I just, I just, want, to, I just want you to kind of take inventory of your life where you are right now. Now maybe, maybe you're the person who is not, um, you don't consider yourself a, a Christian or, or, or you know, you're, maybe you're considering it or, you know, you grew up a Christian but you never really made that decision for yourself. You're kind of on the outskirts looking in. Can I just challenge you to listen right now to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your heart who's drawing you, who is uh, calling you into relationship with Him. You're like, well, how would you know that He's, how He's speaking to me? You're here. That's how I know. You're here. And as He speaks to you, as He draws you in, would you, would you just open your, idea, your mind up to, to possibility that He is exactly who He says He is. That he did exactly what he said he did. That he wants to be in a relationship with you. Not a religion. Not a thing where you, you know, try to have perfect attendance at church and try to do good deeds and all that kind of stuff. That stuff, that stuff comes, but that's not what this is all about. What Jesus wants is not your good deeds. He's got some pretty harsh things to say about your good deeds if you get into the word and read it. What he wants is you. He wants your heart. He, he wants not even so much um, all the things that you can do for him as much as he just wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants you to love him. He just wants you to love him. 
That's one of the beautiful things about God is that he doesn't force his love on us. He allows us to make that choice. And I challenge you to step out on faith. That's why they call it faith. Step out on faith and make the choice that you know, I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be. But I can, love, I, can, I can try to love God. I can try to follow him to the best of my ability. I, I, I can give my life to him. I can believe do that. Maybe some of you are in the room and, and you've been in uh, whatever it is you want to call it that you have with Jesus right now. But it looks a little bit more like a religion than a relationship. It's loveless. You're doing it out of duty. You're doing it out of obedience. You're doing it out of whatever. But there's nothing there that really looks like the relationship that Jesus is actually calling you into. I tell you guys this when I was dating my wife Jamie, um, I, I was I was so excited to be in a relationship with her. I, I was so crazy in love with her, and um, and I didn't care who knew. I told everybody about it. I took her out so everybody could see her with me. I I just I, I, I loved her that much. Had I uh, approached my relationship with her at the time as one of them? kind of shame and embarrassment, like, okay, we're going to go out, we're going to go to the back over the restaurant, I'm going to put, put my jacket over here so nobody sees who I'm with. Uh, I, I would not be with my wife today. That would not have worked out. That would not have worked out. And some of you have this feeling like, I can kind of end to Jesus, I'm just not sure I want anybody to know it yet. I'm just not sure I want everybody to know it. And what Jesus has called you into is an actual love relationship. He's not going to force himself on you, but what he wants, he's not interested in dating you. He wants a committed relationship with you. He wants a committed relationship. So for those of you who have been kind of sort of following Jesus for a while, but maybe you've never really taken it from religion to relationship. Maybe you've never really given your heart to him. Can I challenge you to come out of the darkness and into the light and enter into what, it, what was really the only thing he ever called you to in the first place. You've been wasting your time up until now. You've been wasting your time. Come out of the darkness and into the light. Look at how much he loves you and make a choice that, yeah, I'm going to love him. I'm going to love him. And love is not just a noun, it's a verb. We do it with our, our actions. And that's where the obedience part comes in. We obey and we allow Christ to shape us into the type of people that he wants us to be because we love him, not because we're trying to get him to love us. Father, I, I love you, man. I'm so thankful for your word this morning, and I pray that you would just speak to hearts, that you would convict us, that draw us close to you, that you would um, God, I, I just personally give you permission to make me more like you to come into my life and do the hard things to, if there's any areas of my faith that I'm trying to keep in the dark, God, help me to bring them into the light. God, if you're speaking to anybody here this morning and drawing them into a, a relationship with you for the first time, would you just send your Holy Spirit right now to assure them that they don't have to be good enough, they don't have to be perfect enough, that God, you love them just the way that they are, and you just want to live in a relationship with them. 
You're so good and we love you. We love you. We thank you for all these things. We pray these things in Jesus' name.